You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Hey friends, welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical backward ass ideals we have right here in the United States. This is episode 125 of American Sex Podcast. I'm Sunny Megatron. You'll be hearing shortly from my co-host Ken Melvoinberg as well. We are both sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky perverts too that are married to each other, by the way. So uh, this week has been kind of hard, kind of really hard, actually. And Ken and I keep thinking like, okay, all right, next week, we're going to get back to our regular content that we recorded well before the world became a complete trash fire. But it just doesn't quite feel right yet. But do hold on to your hats because we have an amazing episode in the queue for you about sex-based role-playing games that you're going to love the heck out of. But yeah, you know, Ken and I just aren't mentally ready or at the point yet where we can record an entire episode that doesn't provide some kind of soothing or coping tools or even reassurance that we're all in this together. No matter how this ends up playing out, we're going to get through this. We just we need to I don't know if if it's so much we need to keep telling you or we need to keep telling you because really, in the process, we're telling ourselves that because that's where we're at right now. So this week, we called upon Dr. Chris Donahue to help ground us, pep talk us, and most importantly, get along with the folks that we're sheltering in place with. So I keep hearing varying reports. Some are predicting a rash of COVID divorces when we're all done. Others keep saying in nine months, we're going to have a whole generation of Corona babies. You know, some of us are having the time of our lives being quarantined with our partner. We're doing new, exciting things, and it's bringing us closer together. Others are bickering and tense. And in some situations, this isolation has laid the groundwork for abuse. Some of us are sequestered with family members or roommates that are not taking this situation seriously, and we're about to pull our damn hair out. Healthcare workers and their families, they have hit crisis levels in the mental health department, and we're all experiencing profound trauma together on a grand scale. So Dr. Chris tells us about how to communicate with the folks that we're quarantined with. You know, how there's like five love languages, right? Well, let's apply that same thinking to quarantine languages. We talk about how this pandemic is affecting libido and how to deal with sudden desire discrepancies in your relationship. Dr. Chris gives us tips for setting boundaries because right now we all need to be proficient boundary setters to get through this. We also talk about the positives. You know, how can we use sensory experiences to calm ourselves and find much needed alone time? Why we shouldn't be stressing about how much we can get done during this quarantine, like to do the things. No, you know what? Focus on self-care, on relaxation and restoration. This conversation is good and you all really need it. I know I did. And for that, I want to give a personal huge thank you to Dr. Chris. And if you're like, wait a minute, Dr. Chris, Dr. Chris, why does he sound so familiar? You do know him. So Dr. Chris Donahue is an international lecturer, therapist, and educator. 
He's the host of the Loveline Nightly Radio Show, co-host of the Amber Rose Show with Dr. Chris Podcast, weekly expert on the Amber Rose Show, and frequent co-host on the Doctors TV Show. He's previously hosted WeTV's Sex Box and Logo TV's Bad Sex. He's been featured on pretty much every mainstream news show and in every print publication you can imagine. Plus, he's the author of the books Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines, Authentic Sexuality in a Sexually Dysfunctional Culture. Dr. Chris Donahue is a doctor of clinical sexology and human sexuality, doctoral trained in clinical psychology, licensed clinical therapist, and a certified sex therapist and a certified sexologist. He practices general psychology and specializes in individual and couple sex, relational and marital therapy. Now, Dr. Chris is also an all-around wonderful human being, and he started another project during this COVID crisis that's important for you to know about. Dr. Chris is hosting weekdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, a show through radio.com called I'm listening, stay connected. It's about mental health in the midst of the coronavirus crisis. Now on this show, he provides resources and tips to keep overwhelm at bay. Plus, he features a variety of guests that share their ways of coping through this crisis. If you dig the conversation you're about to hear on this episode, I strongly encourage you to check out I'm listening as well. And speaking of resources, uh, check the show notes for this episode 125 at americansexpodcast.com. There's a bunch of free stuff available right now to help you cope with what's going on. For example, Fender, the guitar people, are offering three months of their guitar, bass, ukulele, and I think banjo classes too. And you can choose from like electric or acoustic, rock, country, like you can tailor it to you. Uh, it's only free for the first 100,000 people that sign up. So get on that. Also, the down dog family of apps is free until May 1st and longer. If you're a healthcare worker, a teacher or a student, there's a bunch of other helpful tools for you too. So please check out the links that I put in the show notes. And if you know of anything that I don't know of, send me a message on social media, I'll retell them and then I'll include Include them in next week's show notes. All right, so before I get to Dr. Chris, you know what time it is. It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. Our Patreon family is growing and we are so thankful. We want to give a big, huge welcome and heartfelt appreciation to the following people for becoming American Sex Podcast Patreon supporters this past week. Okay, you ready? Big thanks to Harrison, Liz, Ashlyn Shea, Katie, Tammy, Nick, Keith, who increased their membership, Callie, Hawthorne, and also Lorem with a special message that I can 1,000 gazillion billion jillion percent get behind. The message reads, I know you often give shout outs for new Patreon subscribers, but if you're planning on doing one for me, I was hoping you might send it out to all of the abortion providers who continue to put their health and the health of their families at risk to continue providing care during the COVID-19 pandemic. Despite what certain states might have you think, looking at you, Ohio and Texas, uh, abortion is necessary, legal, and a time-sensitive procedure, meaning it is essential to ensure access even during physical distancing. I want to thank the providers for continuing to fight the good fight every day. 
Oh my goodness. Hell yes. Hell yes. I will put a link in the show notes so you can read more about this. But a number of states are trying to classify abortion as an elective procedure that would allow those states to mandate the clinics be closed during shelter-in-place time. So right now, those providers are on the front lines going into work despite the risks. And on top of it, they have to deal with the local governments trying to shut them down. So to all the abortion providers out there, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. And all healthcare workers, Thank you so much. You know, so many of our listeners and even our Patreon supporters are in healthcare, and it is such a scary time right now. And we appreciate everything you're doing. We cannot tell you enough how much we thank you for what you're doing. Ah, I'm gonna cry. Whoo! Seriously, it's it's an intense time. Anyway, um, I want to give appreciation all around. You know, more personally to all of our Patreon supporters. Um, uh, I'll cry for you too. I'll just cry. I'm cry- we're all crying. Like Ken's cry. I'm crying. We're crying. Whatever. Uh, so really, Patreon supporters, right now your support is more important than ever. Ken and I are self-employed gig workers. You know, and we've lost a significant amount of our income during the shutdown. And April, that's the month. It's definitely the month where we're like, hmm, rent or utilities and food, but definitely not both, you know. So your Patreon membership has a real direct impact to our well-being and livelihoods right now more than we ever could have ever imagined. And we appreciate you. And if you're a Patreon supporter, you get stuff too, right? You get extra bonus stories from our guests, extra full-length episodes, our regular episodes early, American Sex Podcast stickers in the mail, a shout out on the podcast, other random surprises, and a lot more. And we're also adding some stuff like patron-only live streams and videos, so be on the lookout for those too. And if you're like, hey, I want some free live streams, I just want them free. We've got you covered there too. Most of our stuff is free. We have a sex ed live stream series on Wednesday nights on the Get Vocal platform. You can find that at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, Sunny Get Vocal, spelled S-U-N-N-Y, G-E-T-V-O-K-L. All of our streams are absolutely 100% free to the public. And this upcoming Wednesday on April 1st, by the way, April Fool's Day is canceled. Like, no jokes on April Fool's, please, please. But we have got a special guest, BDSM and rope bondage superstar, Midori. Midori's going to be telling us about oral sex. Not oral, O-R-A-L, but A-U-R-A-L. This is something we can all get on and get great use out of, especially right now. Again, tune in on Wednesday, the 1st of April at 8 p.m. Pacific time at bit.ly slash sunnygetvocal. And, you know, please tell your friends to tune in too, because that kind of support, even though it's not money, all of that stuff helps us too. Okay, lastly, last thing, more free live streams, more of them. Actually, second to last thing, because I want to say something else. But yeah, Ken has a new title, which is hashtag apocalypse daddy. We know it's not really the apocalypse, but we're being cheeky. Ken live streams every day at noon. Pacific time about coronavirus with various topics like taking up planting a food garden during the crisis or proper infection control for when you leave your house and go to the grocery store. Remember, he's got medical training and uh, in the service specialized in like mass casualties and pandemic stuff, which is really 
really timely. Who thought he'd need to use that? Um, he debunks some of the horrible virus myths floating around Facebook memes, uh, you know, finding ways to de-stress during this time and all sorts of stuff. So join him and his apocalypse crew daily at noon Pacific on his Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash chicken P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. And yes, I said there was one more thing. The safest sexual partner you have right now is yourself, right? And the second safest is the person that you are uh, sheltering in place with, granted that you're already sexy. Because if you're not sexy and you start having sex, that might be weird or it might be fun. I don't know. Live your own life. Anyway, uh, sex toys are currently flying off the shelves. We're still getting mail. So people are ordering them. And if you're going to be ordering sex toys, hey, please buy from one of our affiliates. When you do, not only do we earn a commission on your sale, which as I said, is really important right now because it's like, hmm, bills or rent. Uh. Uh, also, you can get a discount on most items. We've got exclusive dicks, discounts. We've got exclusive dicks. <laughs> We do buy dildos, see? Um, really, you can get anywhere from 10 to 25% off whatever you buy. So visit the show notes for episode 125 at americansexpodcast.com for all of our links and codes for retailers like Love Honey, Stockroom, Kink Academy, Fun Factory, Early to Bed, Lalo, and more. Okay, whoo, American fuckers, take a deep breath. <sighs> Ah, you're about to feel a lot better. This is like a therapy session right here. Let's talk with Dr. Chris Donahue. So we have got on the line someone that I am so eager to talk to, not only for the sake of all of our American fuckers out there listening, but selfishly for myself, because I don't know about y'all, but I'm kind of having a hard time right now. Ken's kind of having a hard time right now, just with what's going on in general. And I'm getting a lot of people commenting and writing to me and reaching out to Ken that they're having issues suddenly being confined in their home with the person that they love or supposedly love because it's getting a little trying. Um or roommates or or whoever and lots of things are coming up. So that's kind of where I want to start is most of us are having a very profound uncomfortable response to what's going on and we're also intermingling that with our relationships with our partners. So, hi Dr. Chris. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, well, thank, thank you, you for being on, especially just such short term and last minute like this. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, well, I love the work the two of you do, so I was happy to do it. Well, thank oh, you. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, I'm hearing all sorts of different things from like cheeky, funny things. Like there was a Twitter thread of, um, you know, now that couples are working from home, you get to hear your partner's work persona. And there was a comment like, I didn't know my husband was the let's circle back guy. Yes, I've seen that. And yeah, which is hilarious. And people are now starting to, you know, not drunk dial, but quarantine dial their exes. And oh, I've gotten a few of those, of those myself. I, like, I'm going to talk to you about those later. But yeah, yeah I've gotten three some X's in a poly situation where, yeah. like, suddenly getting people that have regrets that are calling up. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also people that are getting into some serious conflicts and difficulties with the people that they're living with, that they're now quarantined with. So, I don't know. Where should we start, Dr. Chris? Well, I'll say this. So, um, I, I'm in the thick of it in that. I'm still doing a lot of clinical work via FaceTime and phone calls with all my patients. And, you know, 
these are not ideal times. And so what frustrates some of them is I always enter by saying we don't have perfect solutions. We are left with what tools we have most available to us. And there's not a lot of them. So Mm -hmm. one of the things I'm telling people is don't wait until you find yourself in a heavy level of conflict. Know that that is possible and just set necessary uh, precautions so as to not allow that to happen. What does that mean? It means a couple of things. Um, Take take space and time away. And that, you know, again, that's not everyone, you know, not everyone's fortunate enough that they live in a home that allows for separate rooms. So I do have some people I'm working with that are going into the bathroom, they're going into the closet, they're going for walks, they're taking drives. But what I say is that no matter how much you love someone, no matter how attracted you are to them, no matter how well things are going, too much time and immersion can lead to conflicts that aren't even real. And Uh so build in separative time where you are physically removed them from them, psychologically removed from them. So just kind of start laying down those foundations. But for the individuals that are already in the thick of it, I tell them, just like what I say to people that are going on vacations or they're going through a difficult time, that is not when you have triggering conversations. And when one of you slips into the you know, personality style of a child and you are letting go of all your coping mechanisms and you're losing yourself, the other one has to step in and be the break or the adult and say, hey, you know what? It looks like this is getting really overwhelming for you or me, or this looks like this is getting very aggressive. I'm going to pause it and we'll come back to this. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm seeing, I, I uh, put a like a Facebook and social media thing like, hey, everyone, what are some of the conflicts that you're seeing with your significant others? And one person brought up, they were like, there was like practically a knockdown drag out fight over mustard, over mustard on the counter. <laughs> I saw that. And and really what it stemmed back to was like, you know, that person's coping coping mechanism, because we all have a loss of control, a loss of autonomy. And perhaps that person who really freaked out over what is happening with that mustard, that was their way of trying to control the situation through, you know, whether it's rationing or how you're taking care of the supplies that you have at home. So what are some of the underlying things when, you know, they say when couples are fighting about the toilet seat up or the toothpaste, it's not really about the toothpaste, right? You know, I would say this one of the most powerful tools we're going to have right now and this puts a lot of responsibility on each of us and you know people don't usually want that they usually want a simple answer a magic bullet and unfortunately that's not what we get and i tell them you know we have to always be maintaining our foundational level of stability and what that means is if you're not doing the needed self-care to keep yourself regulated you can't expect to have the energy to do so in those moments when it's not about the mustard it's about everything else that's going on so i'm telling people a couple things that they keep checking in with their body because a lot of us have our nervous systems overwhelmed and dysregulated and it's not allowing us to really connect in a loving way and co-regulate. And so I'm saying to them, all these morning routines that I've been telling all my patients to do, we're doing them so that when that mustard moment does occur, you are at your best to be able to manage what's going to come up. And so I'm saying to them things such as start your day by not jumping right into news or conversations that are tense or stressing around COVID-19. I'm telling them, start your day by going for a walk by yourself in the sunlight with fresh air. Start your day by letting in light and opening the windows. Start your day by doing things like a gratitude list. Start your day by acknowledging I'm stepping into an extraordinary experience and normalcy is not going to be there. How can I create structure? Because these little moments, these little fires are going to happen. And if you're not grounded when they happen, that is how it becomes so intense that we can't regulate. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's very helpful. And it's actually very affirming to me because that's what I've been sort of helping people out with. Now it's, 
I have a very unique skill set, and I never in my life imagined that the wartime military specialty that I had would be something that I would be utilizing in everyday life. I was a, I was a dental assistant and a medic when I was in the Air Force, but my wartime job was as a uh, mass casualty disaster and pandemic specialist. Uh, specializing in, in physical security specifically, which was both infection control, guns, and like locking down a building kind of thing. So I have a, a very weird skill set. So I've been trying to help other people out with this. But the one thing that I know that I've been preaching now for a good five weeks is how overrun the hospitals are going to be. And furthermore, how much PTSD is going to be experienced by healthcare providers for the first time in their lives because they are making life and death decisions Currently in the United States, we have one respirator for every 50 people that will require one. Okay. So let's, let's, let's expand that and pan out. So the first thing I say, or the first thing that comes up for me when I hear that is first, well, actually what honestly first comes up for me is so much extreme frustration with the individuals that are not taking what's happening right now. Seriously. Right. Yes. Because (laughs) everything we do is impacting everyone around us. And so I keep saying over and over, have more of a collective consciousness. It is not just about you. It's not just that you want to see a friend or you want to hook up or you want to have people over. You're impacting everyone, including the overwhelm of the healthcare workers. You, uh, those who are not following the rules, are part of creating and sustaining and allowing that collective trauma for the hospitals and the healthcare workers. And so we have to think in those terms. And so that's my first entry point is we all individually have to take responsibility for what we're allowing to happen because those uh, healthcare workers are not having those events happen in isolation. It's things that we are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this, this actually branches off into another question, and I don't know if this is something you can answer. Do we have enough psychologists to treat everybody? No, no, we absolutely do not. And I can just say that from looking at colleagues and friends because it's twofold. On one hand, I keep preaching to the healthcare workers and mental health care workers specifically that we have to take care of ourselves because if I don't take care of myself, I absolutely cannot help someone, especially in the event of a trauma because trauma work is very much about a co-regulatory capacity, which means my nervous system and how soothed I am is what's going to be able to help soothe another. And if I'm not calm and grounded... I am only going to further aggravate and intensify their out-of-control psychology nervous system. So a lot of therapists are crap at self-care, and I'm watching them. They're overworking themselves. They're not doing their own work. So I just know that the few that we have are still not necessarily doing the work to help. But no, we're limited. Bigger than that, not everyone can access mental health care workers because they don't have insurance or they have crappy insurance. So there's a multitude of forces that really limits um, what's available and what's possible. And so that's why it's like, there's so many entry points. I'm saying to people in the, in the healthcare system, do the work if you're working in a healthcare, because you can only be the best tool that you can be based on what you're doing. Then we're trying to make ourselves accessible. We're offering free sessions, sliding scale sessions. We're getting online and offering tools. That is why I'm doing some of the projects I'm doing for media is because I know that with my platform, I can possibly reach more people than if I individually did a session via phone. Uh-huh. And so that's why I'm thankful that everyone is getting, I'm thankful that you guys are doing one of your podcasts is around this. We all have to do what we can do, but absolutely no, there's not enough individual service people that can directly help people. And that's why we have to do it on a larger scale platform. But I want the mental health care workers to, to know that they need to be doing the work for themselves. And that means setting boundaries. Look, 
I am doing my radio show still. I'm doing this uh, live stream project. I'm still seeing my patients, but I'm also setting boundaries and taking large periods of time, hours long, away from all the material so I can soothe, so I can calm down, so I can take care of myself. So it's important that we're also doing that. Mm -hmm. And now you mentioned this project that you're doing, please let everyone know what it is, because I think it's super freaking important. Because like you said, people don't have access to this kind of mental health care that we all need right now. And any bit they can get anywhere is helpful. So what are you doing? Yeah, so I'm part of this project called I'm Listening. And I'm Listening is an initiative that's trying to destigmatize talking about mental health. And to go back a little bit to what Ken's question was earlier, part of what's going to help us uh, reduce or even uh, an even block uh, the, the collective trauma that's occurring and will occur is by continuing to be open to our mental health, talking about it, um, and you know, uh, eliciting the help of others, doing this co-regulatory thing where we're sharing and processing and we don't feel so alone in it. And so I'm listening is really trying to make that national. So I'm doing a live stream event uh, with radio.com and I'm listening. It's, it's every night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, and it's on all the radio.com apps, their Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. And, you know, it looks on the surface like, oh, capitalizing on this moment, getting celebrity guests on. But no, every single guest that comes on, the first thing I say to them is, how's your mental health? Because I want them to sit there and check in with themselves. I want people that are watching to be able to relate and ask themselves that question. And then the next question is, what are you doing to get through this. And then I say, what tips can you offer others in similar situations to get through this? So the whole project is to get people to acknowledge the mental health, to process their mental health, to destigmatize talking about it, but also to learn some tips. Yeah, yeah. You know, Ken's been doing something similar. And, you know, we were chatting a little bit before we hit record here, like he's been going on every day on Facebook Live. And, you know, sometimes it's more kind of like, here's how to grow a garden or, you know, but oftentimes you do talk about mental health subjects, and you talk about how you're coping and checking with how other people are coping. And and I was telling him today, he was on, and he started crying. And, you know, and I was like, not that I'm glad he started crying, because I don't want to, you know, exploit his tears or, you know, get it a little lube for me, Ken, little lube. No, you know, but but I'm a good crier. I'm I'm, crying is healthy and therapeutic for me. I just didn't, I don't do it in front of a live stream normally. But I think it's important right now. I mean, it's always important, especially for like, cis hetero men to show their emotions. Ken crying Ken crying I, is one of the most radical acts right now in our culture. And it breaks <laughs> really? my heart that such a beautiful, simple thing is, but it truly is. And and what it really does is it it honors more of what's needed because I, I had said this over and over on my radio show that this year my goal was to cry more, but more more importantly to cry more in public. To yeah. normalize seeing a cis male crying because they yeah. were moved emotionally. And I think that that is stunning. And I want more of that because, again, that is part of how we're going to get through this. Yeah. And why is this making me want to cry? I want to cry now. It's sort of like stand by me effect. I think I puked and now you want to puke. Exactly. <laughs> Chris is going to puke. No, and then we're important. going to cry after we puke. It's so important right now because people are dealing with things that, you know, and I'm seeing, you know, at first it was my friends who already suffer from depression or anxiety and they're like, oh, I can feel it coming. But then there was a second wave of friends that never really dealt with depression or anxiety. And all of a sudden they're like, what the fuck am I feeling? Like they have no roadmap. It's not something that they've been given skills before to deal with, that they can recognize within themselves when it's coming. And I think to see someone so 
plainly and rawly expressing their emotion like that is so healing to people that don't know what to do with what they're feeling right now. Yeah. So, it's so yeah. permission giving. Um, and it, it just breaks my heart because again, uh, not to gender this cause I, I fucking hate gender. Uh, but you know, to the, to the male identified people that are listening, really work to give yourself permission to have those moments for you, for everyone else, for culture. Um, I, you know, again, I present often as just like tough as fuck, uh, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck the world in some ways. Like I'm a radical, I'm an anarchist, you know what I mean? I'm a queer feminist. <laughs> But, you know, I have to do the work as well, and I need to see people like Ken crying to remind me that it's safe and okay for me to do it as well. Oh. Well, thank you, Ken, for crying. Oh, you guys are welcome. And thank I mean, you, Dr. Chris, for, for vowing to cry more. So You know, a lot of this is due to, like, the way that I'm dealing with my mental health is by helping other people right now. Because I'm very fortunate that I'm a veteran, and the VA is giving me great psychological care. I can't say enough good things about it. Everything from anger management to uh, family therapy to personal therapy. And it has been just a blessing to be able to have that, I just have to say. Good. I'm glad you have access to that. It's stunning. Um, I, you know, again, we're, we're doing our best to, like, give access to more people. And that's what I really help. That's what I hope comes out of this. Because I was asked that by someone somewhere along the way. And they said, what do you hope comes from all this? And I said, I hope a lot comes from this. I hope that, again, one, we're more community-centered and we have more of a collective consciousness and we care more about how we impact others. I hope that we lead more with compassion and less consumerism and capitalism. And also, I hope we all get fucking universal health care. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Okay, so I'm going back to something you said. You, you had talked about, you know, how we all need to take this seriously. And of course, Ken and I, you know, both simultaneously with the big, yes, amen, yeah. And it's like, we can have our, you know, between the three of us and those listening that agree, our circle jerk of, yeah, we all got to take this seriously. But there are those people out there that aren't taking it seriously. So if you live with a romantic partner or a roommate or you're... you're or a boomer in, parent that you need to right. ground because they keep going and playing canasta with their friends how do you deal with i mean you can't make them and and it's a it's emotionally taxing i'm seeing friends going through it with their significant others and roommates how do you deal with that just mentally within yourself if they're just not gonna listen it's twofold because uh it's personal for me in that i have a mom that i had to parent around this because she was wanting to go to the movies and not taking seriously i have friends that are still going on dates you know there's this whole new term that's it's really distressing to me it's called like a quarantine pact and it's basically saying like all right we're gonna create a pact where we're not gonna really leave the house or have sex with others and we're just gonna meet up and have sex with each other and i said you know it sounds great in theory but you are trusting their hygiene on the way to see you and from you right. and, and it's just a bad it's a bad precedent to set and get comfortable with and then we push our own boundaries and gray areas so i targeted a couple ways and and i'm still figuring out what the best entry point is on one hand i tried to plead with them on a personal level where i say to my mom listen you know everything you do impacts me and that i don't want to lose you then i also try to give them the facts and i let them know how they do fall in the age bracket that is possible which is literally everyone we used to think it was just up 65 and plus and you had to have you know respiratory compromised respiratory immune system no you don't 18 year olds someone yeah. in la that was 18 so there's that piece and then some of them i just give them a little healthy level of shame where i say you know what <laughs> i saw on your ig that you were still having people over i wanted to let you know that 
that that is completely inappropriate. You're setting a bad precedent and, and I, and I hold them accountable and I make them defend yeah. themselves to me. And usually what happens is they, they, they were not informed enough or they weren't taking it seriously. And I just, I try to target from all levels, but there's also the healthy level of like, at some point I have to let go where people are adults and, and they're going to choose what level of risk they're willing to encounter. And it's unfortunate, but I let them know that there is a responsibility that they're impacting others. I try to shame them. I try to make it an emotional piece, but we're limited a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I was thinking? You know how like there's the five love languages and whether you you subscribe to those love languages or not, pretty much people in society know what that means. Like you have to communicate, you know, your love or whatever you're expressing to your partner in a way that they can understand and they can receive it where they feel like it's of value. Do you think there's like quarantine languages? You know, I'm thinking back to controlling the mustard was really, you know, so if there were quarantine languages, what would some of them be? Well, it's funny you bring this up because this is coming up a lot in my own personal conversations. So there's the friends that are trying to, and wait for this one. I mean, it's coming out of all ends, but I have some friends that are trying to bribe gym owners to get access to the gym. So I'm saying things to them like, What's that? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, me? Seriously? This, yes, this is what's going on right now. So I'm saying things to them. I'm, I'm, you know, it's like reverse psychology and psychological warfare where I'm pointing out to them, listen, you'll get back to the gym sooner if you stay the fuck home. But the more you insist on trying to find ways to get access to different gyms and get to go over to friends' places that have weights and whatnot, you're extending this. And that's yeah. going to have a far longer impact on your body image and your relationship to your body. So I try to kind of bring it in on that level. So I, I appreciate what you're saying powerfully you know you got to use the language that they understand yeah yeah so when it comes to libido i'm hearing two completely different sides of the spectrum some people are like shit's going on my anxiety's through the roof i don't feel like fucking that is the last thing i want to do and other people this crisis and living in this state of oh is making people so horny, you know, to the point where, yes, they are quarantine dialing old exes. Both of you said, you're, why am I not getting the quarantine? Let's think about your exes. Oh, that's hilarious. I like how you personalize it. Wait a minute. I'm not getting enough of those. (laughs) How many are you getting? Yeah. (laughs) No, but really, what is this about? Why are some people really horny? Why are some people not horny at all? And what happens if you're quarantined with someone who's on the hyper horny end and you're like, that's the last thing I want to do? Well, it's a funny thing, right? And we're learning a lot about ourselves because I'm one of those people where I literally, everything's eroticized. So it's like, I'm tired. Oh, I'm then horny. If I'm hungry, I'm horny. Literally, if I don't feel good, I'm horny. If I just got off a plane and I jet lag, I'm horny. So it's fascinating to me that I'm now actually experiencing the opposite. And I'm thankful for that because it would make things a little maybe complicated. Um, so for me, it's, it's shut everything down. I think that's because I'm really going into true like evolutionary basic needs trying to get met where I'm worried about my safety. And when that happens, that when we're worrying about food, shelter, and safety, it shuts off our higher levels such as sexual desire and, and the, you know drive to pair bond or mate. So I'm thankful for that. But for others, it's possible that those basic needs are getting met. They're, they have a healthy or however you want to look at unhealthy sense of safety and security. And so they're able to eroticize. Maybe they're detached from what's happening. I, I, I Look, I don't remember, Sonny, if me and you, if you were one of the people talking to me about this on Facebook, but I was posting flyers for some sex parties. Yes, still yes. Uh-huh. So and that it was individual quarantine themed and yes! they were like 
Yes. Ah. I mean, it, it felt like an ethical, you know, public health smack in the face. Now that individual, either they're using sex as a way to cope with their anxiety. Uh, maybe they're using sex as a way to dissociate. I just don't want to. I have to encounter the fragility and fear of what's happening. Um, maybe they're just a fucking asshole and don't care about how they're impacting others. I mean, there's so many ways to look at it, but I really want everyone to say to themselves, in a very thoughtful manner, like, again, everything I choose to do is impacting those around me. Let me utilize all of the various hot, fun, creative ways I can still have sex at home with other people. You know what I mean? Like, we have technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And last week's podcast episode, I'll put it in the show notes at americansexpodcast.com for this episode. It's an hour of all of the resources you can use to get it on online, whether you're with a partner, you're hooking up with a stranger, you're by yourself, like anything you need is in that episode. So you listening out there, there's no excuse. Okay, will you you make sure to remember to send me a link to that so I can post that on my social media to be like, you know, listen, mofos, we are sex. I mean, this is the other funny thing I say as well on my social media. I was like, look, I am, I, I like to think of myself as pretty fucking sex positive. And when I'm telling you to stop fucking listen, you know what I mean? Like, that's a moment right take I that all real. of us are doing that all the sex educators i know are like guys like maybe it's not the best time to be poly that's maybe right you don't need to fuck everybody breathe yeah. breathe for a minute like delay those impulses learn more about what that means for you sit with yourself have more solo sexuality or like you said use technology to engage others relationally and sexually find meaning and value in that but please stop going out and touching yeah. and being around others and I might propose, let's say, fuck masturbation month. This is masturbation year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, okay. You know, talking about conflict, it's like we all, some people actually are having a great time. They're like, me and my partner are getting along great. This quarantine is the best thing that's ever happened. And you people, more power to you. That's freaking amazing. However, on the other side of the coin, you know, we have kind of your average conflict that I think you can expect between couples and people that are are close with each other. But then you get to the point, you know, not only am I hearing um, that, you know, China, where they've relaxed some of their quarantine measures, the divorce lawyers are working 24 seven, like it's what they're calling COVID divorces or whatever. Yeah. Um, but also for people at home, um, you know, let's say there's a family at home, it can incite some very abusive behavior. I've been reading articles about how domestic violence is expected to go up. Child abuse is expected to go up. Animal can, abuse. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I want to kind of fold in another layer and it's something I'm trying to talk more about. You know, we live in an intoxication culture. And on one hand, I'm all for people's you know, personal decisions around drug and alcohol use, but alcohol is a very dangerous drug. And most domestic violence uh, cases are about 80% are tied to alcohol use. So mm-hmm. we have to kind of fold that piece in. So what I mean in saying that is now's not the time for us to be consuming a lot of alcohol because we are limited with our availability to get away from others. We are under a high level of stress. We are worried about our immune health. Drinking should be kept to a minimum. And that's, uh-huh. that's my bigger concern because it's the alcohol that tends to lead to some of those decision-making. So, uh, you know, a couple of things. Again, 
try to keep the environment lighthearted. Now, like I said, is not the time to get into triggering conflictual conversations. And if one of your partners or family members or whoever you're self-isolating with is going there, you have to be the break and stop it. So we have to keep things calm. Also limit the alcohol use. Like I said, that is part of what leads to a high rate of violence and domestic violence. Alcohol is in Uh 80% of those cases. So minimize the drinking. Um, Safety is an issue. Not everyone's going to have a resource and a place to go. And I'm still really trying to figure out what tips I can offer. If you feel like you are self-isolating with someone who's dangerous, please reach out to friends and family and see if someone will take you in. Put that relationship on pause. Don't let it get there before you take care of yourself. If you think it possibly could get there, take yourself out. Also with addiction, I was just on the radio show last night and someone called in saying, I am self-quarantining with someone I'm dating and they're drinking and my sobriety feels at risk. And I said to the person, you tell them as long as they're staying with you that alcohol does not come into that house. And if they need to drink, they need to go somewhere else to drink. So people are needing to practice boundaries that they haven't had to set before. Yeah, I think this is a huge trying time for all of us. And I say us because I include myself in that who have a hard time setting boundaries. It's like now we have our feet to the fire, we're being thrown in the deep end of the pool, like our boundaries are so important when it comes to who you're letting into your house, because maybe they've been touching everything at the grocery store. And that's not good enough for your level of being sanitary. Or like you were saying, people who are, you know, bringing drugs and alcohol into the house. Um, So give us some quick tips if we're like, that person, maybe myself, who has a hard time laying down boundaries, and we need to get our shit together now with boundaries. Do you have some tips yeah. to how we can make that easier? And what frustrates me is even this question, right? Because I wish, again, we all had universal health care. Everyone was able to get into therapy. Therefore, we've all been practicing boundaries leading up to this. You know, I wish we didn't live in a, you know, uh, female disempowered culture where women aren't able to set boundaries and having them honored. I wish we didn't live in rape culture, you know, where men are raised to be violent and uh, challenge boundaries. Like all those things come up for me, but I know that's not your question. Um, So on the fly, quick fire boundary setting rules. I would say you practice small ones to get familiar and comfortable with them. You practice them with friends and family members. I've been shocked at my own need to practice some boundaries and I'm pretty damn good at it. I'm limiting my exposure and the presence I can have with others. So the, the, you know, it's again, it's a tough, it's a tough question, but the easy answer is start small, start with easy ones, work your way up work on the ones that feel comfortable, work on the ones that you know will be honored. The difficulty thing with boundaries is when we set them, it's the rare person that will say, wow, thank you for setting that boundary. I will help you by honoring that boundary. Well done. Most people will try to gaslight you, step over it, knock it down. We have to do it anyway. So now's the worst time to practice it, but we got to do it anyway. So the best advice I have is start small, start with safe people, get support from those around you. And if the person you're with isn't honoring them, you need to consider if it's a big enough of an issue, possibly moving and staying somewhere else during this time. So as to avoid violence and conflict. Yeah. And I think, you know, just as it's great advice for the boundary setters, um, it's great advice for the people listening who maybe live with a person that has difficulty setting boundaries is make that extra effort to to recognize, like, thank you for setting that boundary. Thank you for looking out for yourself, you know, or, or hey, I know that was hard for you to say. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And that's yeah. such a, that's such an act of, I love you and I care about you that even though I might not have wanted that boundary set with me, or I didn't want to hear that, I, I'm, I'm proud of you for taking care of yourself. And like every now and then, I'll be doing a couples therapy session and I'm 
my heart is elated to hear the partner turn and say that. And it happened yesterday on one of the sessions on phone where the partner just said, listen, you know, we're, we're together around the clock. Um, every morning I take a walk. You've been joining me. I hope that this doesn't hurt your feelings, but I could use that morning walk to be by myself. And there was silence. And again, it's over the phone. I couldn't see reactions. And the other person sat and then they said, you know what? I understand that. Thank you for making that request. I would never want to make you feel. And it went on in a beautiful way. And so, Sonny, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. If someone sets a boundary with you, say thank you. Thank you for setting that. I'll honor that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and you know, you bring up a great point too, because it's hard right now. P- you know, people are losing control. And when people want to, con- you know, get control back, they, sometimes over control other things in their environment. And we were talking to someone um, who whose partner happens to be out of town and they're quarantined separately. And, you know, they were like, it's not because I don't love my partner, but I'm kind of glad I'm alone right now because I'm able to do whatever I want, whenever I want. I don't have to answer to anyone. I don't have to then comfort somebody else and their feelings. I can just be. Yes. And I think that, you know, whether you're quarantined with your partner or not, if we recognize that in the other person and not take it personally, like, oh, you don't want to be with me. Oh, so you do hate me or, you know, whatever. Um, Are you trying to tell me something? No. (laughs) (laughs) Sonny's like, you know, that sounds so ideal. (laughs) If only Ken, I mean, that person would be gone. No. I I love what you're saying because... I, I my my primary primary relationship is with someone who's in Toronto, uh-huh. and so there's a vast difference. Now, again, luckily, technology gives us FaceTime, text messaging, sexting, photo sharing. Like, there is no reason to have to feel so disconnected. But I'll tell you honestly, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that right now I'm coha- uh, not cohabitating. I'm thankful that right now I'm, I'm by myself, just with my cat. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't have to worry about cleanliness, someone else's hygiene, what they're doing out in the world with their hands, what they're bringing back in. Uh, I don't have to deal with the emotional regulation that's required when there's someone else in your home, you know, aka that mustard situation. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I know, like, I've been, um, like, our youngest child recently moved out. So now we have a spare bedroom. And the last few days, like over this last week, I am not an at home exerciser. I don't do yoga. I don't do any of that stuff. And I've been doing, um, a stretching video every day and like light yoga stuff, which is so not like me. But one, you know, you were talking about the parasympathetic nervous system and like, you know, regulating our bodies. And I'm really bad at that. I'm very disconnected from my body. So at least I could recognize like, this is probably something that's good for me right now. But also having that spare room and 15 minutes alone is so just grounding and you know, it seems like such a little thing, but it's really helpful to just have that solitude. Yeah. Right now, more than ever, um, those things are beautiful gifts. And I'm glad you're taking advantage of that. And like I said earlier, I have some people that don't have that. And so they're they're doing the best, which is they're taking a bath. They're closing the door, yeah. playing some music, trying to use sensory experience to distance from others in the house. So they're playing music, turning off the lights, getting into the tub, or even some people are getting into the closet. And people laugh when I say that, but they're going in the closet. It's dark. They're closing their eyes. They're going for walks. They're going for drives in the car. We all have to do our own version of that literally or symbolically right Yes. Now. Hey, did you order that lube yet? You gotta get on it. You know that whether going at it solo or with a partner, lube makes sex feel better. It really is the key to maximizing your pleasure. And 
make sure you lube up with the highest quality body safe ingredients. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying nothing beats Uber Lube. Uber Lube is a luxurious high-grade silicone lubricant made from clean, body-friendly ingredients. It's just silicone with a little vitamin E. The vitamin E leaves a velvety finish that actually moisturizes your skin. You can also use it in your hair to tame that frizz or between your thighs to stop chub rub. I'll tell you what makes Uber Lube body safe too. It's free of nasty additives like parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals. It stays on the surface of your skin and doesn't enter your bloodstream like water-based lube. Yeah, you know the issues for folks that have adverse reaction to lubes? They are usually related to water-based lubes that get absorbed into your bloodstream. Uber Lube is latex compatible, so it's safe to use with condoms, and it works underwater, making it great in pools or tubs. Also, it won't stain your clothing. Yay! Any spills can easily be cleaned up with a little soap and water. Right now, Uber Lube is offering American Sex Podcast listeners a very special offer. 10% off and free shipping when you use my code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at uberlube.com. That's 10% off plus free shipping. Just use the code SUNNY at uberlube.com. There are so many people right now seeking intimate online connections, but they're getting increasingly difficult to find. Well, why? It's the internet censorship of sex-related content. It is at an all-time high. Social media platforms are notorious for it, and even the dating apps are full of fakes and bots. Luckily, MyGirlFund.com is a great option. It's a service that allows you to connect online, one-on-one, with sexy women. On MyGirlFund.com, you can message, share videos and photos, live cam, or develop virtual relationships with women safely and privately. It's now more important than ever for people to get paid for their labor. When it comes to virtual adult work, it's incredibly difficult for women to get paid for it without risking personal exposure. Many women are willing to dirty chat or share nude content for money, but safe, discreet platforms are rare. MyGirlFund.com allows women to control their exposure. They connect with who they want to connect with, control how they want to interact, and decide what they want to charge. MyGirlFund's focus on anonymity and privacy allow complex, intimate relationships to develop. There's also no set prices for interactions and content. It's all negotiated one-on-one. You can join MyGirlFund.com for free. And for a limited time, you can become a lifetime premium member for less than $5 when you visit mygirlfund.com slash sunny, S-U-N-N-Y. That means you can get discounted credits and bonus interaction features for life when you go to mygirlfund.com slash sunny. Yes. And also, uh, for those listening along, if they skip the intro and missed me saying this, I'm going to put in the show notes a bunch of different resources that are out there right now. The uh, Down Dog family of apps are all free until May 1st. So I'll have the links to those. YMCA has yoga and different exercise classes that are free to everybody. And Fender has free guitar, bass, ukulele, and banjo lessons. See, doesn't it warm your heart, though? All these organizations giving away free resources. That's Mm -hmm. stuff. 
it's freaking amazing. And just that that little moment to yourself, you know, little distraction every day really, really does help. So did you want to say? Yeah, something? actually, yeah. I had a, a question for Dr. Chris. If you could tell 1998 Dr. Chris one message about the coronavirus, <laughs> what would it be? Oh shit! Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> God, I, my first my first thought goes to a lot of different self care things I'd want in my home that I wasn't you know aware I would need to go get. So I think it would be about that. Honestly, for me, the environment around me, especially now because it's it's every it's twenty four seven, but the environment around me really impacts my sense of safety. And what I started doing recently, and it's it's so shocking to me because I was never this person, is I started buying a lot of plants and plants. And the color, the life, the energy, they've really shifted my space. I wish I, and I know this isn't a direct answer to your question, but I wish I had loaded up more on the books that were going to be meaningful to me and, and plant life and kind of set my home like more of a sanctuary because I'm normally not home very often. So I ah. wish I prepared in those ways, like gotten blankets and candles and just built a sanctuary. That's really cool. Yeah, we've been getting into plants too lately. That's really weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's shocking. I don't even know how to take care of them. I mean, that's also been a little project. Like, what do I do with these things? Where do I put them? Do they need light? How often do you water them? So it's kind of <laughs> sparked a new hobby that I didn't even know I had or wanted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, when I, it was interesting researching this stuff. I found out that gardening is the largest hobby in the world. Wow. Which I, I, I had not. no idea. Okay. Huh. I get it now. Yeah. Go figure. Go figure. All right. So I want to go back to... You know, your your stereotypical couple who is quarantined together, who maybe they've always been pretty on par with each other in the, the libido department. And all of a sudden, they're finding this discrepancy where the one person, you know, their drive has just completely gone away. And let's say the other person, they want to be doing it all the time. And they've never had to deal with this before. So they're not armed with the tools that they may need to, you know, to them, it might be like, this is the end of the world. Are we getting a divorce? What do those people do to cope with that? Yeah, number one, don't panic. And that's usually where they spiral is panic is, you know, what's this going to mean for us? Uh, what does this mean about me? What does this mean about my body? What does this mean about our chemistry? Don't panic. You know, I, I tell any couple, especially if they're monogamous, that this is an expected stage of all relationships, all relationships, but especially monogamous ones. But especially now more than ever, again, what what's most, you know, eroticizing or arousing is usually newness and novelty, a little bit of space. We're not getting that. So I almost say expect it. And when it happens, go, okay, here it is. And this isn't something to panic over. Know that this is a little bit of a time-limited thing. So I'd say, again, don't panic. Number two, I'd say you have to really honor whatever your partner's needing because we're all needing to feel really comfortable and safe. And so I'd say now's not the time to really push for more intimacy. Um, I, 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 I want everyone to kind of honor what everyone's needing. And some people are needing more touch and closeness. Others are needing more space and distance. So honor where your par partner's at, but also lovingly and compassionately talk about it. And that's removing that panic piece. Uh, don't criticize, don't attack. You can lovingly share that you're missing the loss of sexuality or even more meaningful, share lovingly that you're actually really enjoying having a little more space and solitude. Uh, so as to shore up your partner's esteem that it's not necessarily a commentary about them or your thoughts about them. But I want them to just let go and allow. I don't want to I don't want people to find ways to bring it back. I want them to focus more on solo sexuality for those that are the higher desiring partner. But I want them to just allow and to let go and to know that this is a necessary or just a possible healthy stage. Yeah. Now, now let's say, you know, because again, this is kind of a feet to the fire thrown into the deep end of the pool yes. situation. Let's say this couple you know, maybe they were getting along fine, you know, there were no big issues. 
but they weren't too great in the communication department to begin with. And maybe they haven't been to couples therapy. They don't have those communication techniques. And now it's really important to start communicating. So, you know, first of all, I really think that those people can start listening to your, you know, uh, daily live stream. Yeah, I'm that's what we're talking about. That's all, yeah. I mean, all the questions and tweets are about how do I deal with my partner, communication, boundaries, I'm stressed, I'm angry. Yeah. Are there other things that they can do, like, you know, for the time being, Knockwood, we still have Amazon Prime or digital books, you know, are there certain books they can pick up where they can bone up on some communication skills or what can they do? Yeah. And that's one of the things I'm always trying to do in my practice is I recognize that coming into my office once a week for 45 to 50 minutes isn't enough. So I'm, I'm a big fan of what they call like bibliotherapy, which is here's some other books to read, do some art, read some articles, watch some, you know, webcasts, like you, you can't expect this one, one little framed moment to inoculate you against everything that you know occurs you know in the world so yeah they got to do some of their own homework I, I send people kind of back to themselves so yeah books um, I'm very mm, I don't want to recommend anything because honestly there aren't very many relationship books that I think are uberly you know sex positive body positive and, and kind of nail it I mean uh-huh. I have two books out uh, there they bump into some of this uh, rebel love and sex outside the lines but I would say go online, do your homework. Uh, you're an adult. Google, look for things that target exactly what you're trying to work on. Read a couple books. We have time right now. Listen to some podcasts. Uh, do the do the work. Yeah. And and just like everything else with COVID nineteen, everything is negative. You know, we're all like, oh my god, do you see how many people died? And oh, there's not enough respirators, and everything's like panic. And even this conversation, we're like, oh my god. What do, how do we deal with things if everything is wrong? So I want to hear about some good things. You know, now you are quarantined with your partner. What kind of good can come out of this? What kind of things can we take advantage of to create something good that maybe we wouldn't have had before just living our regular old default lives? Yeah, I want people to look back and be proud of what they did with this time. And so I like what you're asking because it frames it differently. And I think a lot of good and joy can come out of it. That That isn't to ignore and take seriously all that is occurring, but both can exist. We have to be able to hold both. And so I have posed that question to some people in my practice. When you look back, when we come out of this, which we will, when you look back, I want you to have found some value in this time. And so I'll say to them, set some personal goals and they don't all have to be related to, you know, what I'm seeing is you don't have to like learn German. You don't have to get a second, you know, bachelor's or master's degree. You don't have to become, you know, a a guitar phenom, but like, what do you want to have come out of this? And so I kind of, again, I put it back on them and I have my patients setting different goals. And and for some of them, it's actually stunning where they say what's not expected. They'll say, I actually don't want to fill it up with productivity um, I don't want to play into capitalism in that way. Some of them said, I want to look back knowing that I was about rest and restoration. And so I napped more. I slept in. I gave myself a break. I didn't, uh, I, I worked on my relationship to my body and I didn't do home workouts. So everyone has to kind of say like, what can, what transformative thing can come out of this and target that? Yeah. Okay. Real quick, Dr. Chris, I think a lot of people need you to give us a little pep talk on that because you touched on productivity. And a lot of people feel I, you know, the society that we live in tells us we can't have downtime. You know, we always have to schedule the kids doing something all the time. And we always have to be productive. And why are we wasting our time just staring at the TV? Um, And I know even myself, even before COVID, like, I feel guilty 
when I'm doing nothing, even though I, I rationally have to beg you know, to take a day off. I, I know. Do. I rationally know that I need that refresh and recoup time. But still, when I'm like, you know, when I get to the point, usually I only rest when I get to the point of breaking and like my body and my brain are forcing me to rest. And even then I'm like, hey, Ken, I think I'm just going to take the rest of the day off. Is that okay? And then he's like, why are you asking me? Do but it. what you're saying is you're not even resting. What you're basically doing is you're collapsing. Yeah. Uh, you keep going till you collapse. And that's actually not resting. So exactly. what I say is you have to build it in before you need it. And right now, more than ever, it's it's got other layers added to it where like, yes, in general, we have to disengage our self-esteem and our worth from our productivity. We're like, we, we are more than what we can produce. But mm-hmm. right now, the other layer is your immune system and your mental health require rest and restoration. And self-care is so imperative and self-care is not tied to productivity. If anyone tells me what their self-care is and it's related to goal orientation or productivity, that is not self-care. Self-care has no goal other than just being. So if someone says, oh, my self-care is writing. No, it's not. Most likely it's not. If someone says my self-care is the gym. No, it's not. That's good for you. No, it's not. I want you napping. I want you sitting. I want you daydreaming. I want you masturbating. I want you journaling. I want you – it has to be related to joy and restoration. And so uh. – Our immune system needs that. Our mental health needs that. Our relationships need that because it's time away. It's time with ourselves. And so it's about building in those moments before we need them. Self-care is what you do when you don't need it. And you don't do it when you finally collapse and you're exhausted. It's too, it's too far. You've gone too far. So I tell everyone, start your day by setting a couple self-care goals. What am I going to do today that will be rooted in self-care? That's great. And I think that's helpful, not only for me, but I know there's other people listening that just feel really guilty if they're like, what if we come out of this, you know, how many ever months from now this is going to take? And I haven't accomplished anything. Yeah, it's reframe okay. that. Reframe that. Because that's, you know, again, my like I'm blessed that my career's thriving right now. I'm doing more media. I'm seeing tons of patients, but I'm still saying to myself, I want to come out of this knowing that I did self-care and I took care of myself. And so to much to some people's dismay, including some of the people I work with and for, I'm, I'm telling them, no, I'm not coming in on Fridays. Um, like I don't do my live stream show on Fridays because I said I can't do that. My nervous system is overwhelmed. I'm taking Saturday off to do absolutely nothing. What is my plan? My plan is nothing. That's hard for me too because I have books I want to write, things I want to read, but I'm going to make myself sleep in. I'm going to not pay attention to the clock. I'm going to have my phone off. I'm not going to be checking the news. I'm going to let an entire day go by without knowing any updates on COVID-19. You know why? Because I don't need them moment by moment. That's good advice. And, and I, number one, need to listen to it. So for those people who, you know, m- might not have much experience uh, coping with depression or, you know, massive anxiety or something. Uh, what are some signs that people can see in themselves that maybe they are um, dealing with some depression, maybe for the first time, or some massive anxiety or things that they can add to their daily routines to help them from from kind of slipping into that pit? Yeah. Uh, number one, I always say check in with your body. Um, if your body's feeling calm and soothed, you're doing well. If your body's constantly feeling tense, um, or like overly activated, that's that's a red flag. Also, changes in sleeping, changing in eat, changes in eating, um, mood. And again, I want people to really do something about it before it gets too late. And again, I want people to kind of inoculate themselves against that happening. And that's why it's like this daily routine. Have have some plans for your day. Give your day some some meaning. Um, mm-hmm. Focus on self care. Uh, it's corny. I hate corny things, but I'm doing gratitude lists to remind myself that as much as there's a lot going wrong, there's a lot going right. 
I've also focused on joy and that's why I'm bringing plants into my home. I'm watching the movies I want to watch. I'm eating the things that my body's asking me to eat. So I'm kind of listening to my body. I'm checking in with my body, but I want people to be building in self-care and that's going to help prevent you from getting there. And it's also going to help to decrease the impact while you're there, but also take advantage of mental health resources. Call your therapist, stay in therapy, find therapists that you know, take your insurance, find therapists that are doing a sliding scale right now. Thankfully, a lot of them are offering that. So take uh-huh. advantage of some of the resources. Yeah. Oh, I've got a really important question. Have you watched Tiger King yet? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I don't live on that a bitch, rock Carol. She murdered him. She threw him to the fucking tigers. <laughs> I mean, that's part of self-care right now is watching Tiger King. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. So, all right. I hate to say it, but I love Joe Exotic. He's awesome. Oh, he's yeah. In, a, in the cringiest, mullety way but, ever. Yep. yep. Yeah. So some of the things that you're talking about, they're super helpful, but do, do they also apply to people who let's say, you know, your basic needs are, are not being met or they're being challenged. Like you can't afford groceries. You are afraid of getting evicted from your house. Um, those like real crisis situations. Do these things also help or there, are there additional things we can do if we're in that type of situation? Um, so that kind of in some ways hits the limits of mental health. Um, I, I, I cannot give tips that will make people not worry about their housing if they're evicted or can't get their bills met. That that then sadly gets turned over to local government and po- po- politics. I, I don't. That That's right. real. And all I can say is I'm sorry for those that have that happening. I hope you contact those you can. Um, there's organizations that are giving aid. There's food banks. Uh, do your best. That That's like kind of outside the scope of mental health at that point. Yeah. That's social yeah. services. And so then on the other side of that, I've, I'm seeing a lot of people who do have the financial resources, like let's say their company's still paying them or they have a, you know, big savings stuck, talk to, stuck, why can't I talk? Tucked away. <laughs> um, and I'm seeing that people in those positions, some of them are getting a lot of joy and, you know, feeling a sense of calm and control by helping other people. So, you know, one of the resources that I've been passing around, there's this thing, and I'll put this in the show notes again. Um, it's called Leveler. And it's basically a, um, like an Excel spreadsheet sort of where it's like, if, if you, have been laid off or you're part of the gig economy or you're not qualifying for unemployment or whatever it is, you put in your need. And then if you're someone who can help, you just go through and you pick out someone and you go, okay, here's 40 bucks for some groceries or whatever. Um, Is helping a viable way to cope? Please do that. I mean, this is the whole thing. Oh my God. I'm trying to say this too. If if you're, if you're a millionaire or celebrity, please fucking step up and do something because as we're watching this, clown of an administration battle out what they're going to do like step up um whatever you can do i mean i uh, a week and a half ago i put on my um ig i set aside a lump of money and i said the first couple people that reach out i'm not trying to create pandemonium but reach out i'm going to venmo you money and i was venmoing people money i had a budget i set aside for that yeah uh, do the best you awesome. can um, mm-hmm. please. And Britney Spears is, is starting to do that. Taylor Swift is secretly doing that. People are trying to do that. So please, those that have resources and money, step up. Ryan yeah. Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, like yeah. in, he gave what, a couple step million up. dollars in the last 24 Good. hours. Yeah. yeah. You know, how many fucking cars do you need? Right. And like, you don't need to be a millionaire to do this. No. If you have an extra 20 bucks. I'm not a millionaire. And I set aside a couple thousand dollars and I was giving out people fifties and hundreds via Venmo so they could get their, some food. Like we can all do something. Yeah. So, 
Ah, that's that's a good thing. So I guess to wrap this up, can you give us just a few positive things that we can kind of anchor to and and take away from this conversation so we don't come, you know, they don't hit stop when this is over and be like, oh my God, how many thousand people? What can we hang on to that's Care and compassion, care and compassion. I'm seeing more people come forward with that. My heart is warmed by seeing people preaching that, people starting to create that. I'm seeing people finally on the street passing each other and they're smiling as they're taking their six feet, uh, you know, steps away from you and people are giving and, and be a part of that so that when this resolves itself, that's what we center ourselves in and move forward. And so lead your day with care and compassion and uh, let's make that kind of like our mission statement right now. Oh, thank you. And, you know, that reminds me, we went out for a walk yesterday. It was the first time we'd walked the dogs in like two weeks. And they were stirker. They're like, come on. So we went out and I was a little disappointed because there's a little nature trail by our house. And there were so many people out. And I was just like, oh, they were congregating in this and that. But there was one pair that we walked past. It might have been a mother and a teenage daughter, maybe. Um, And every time someone would you know, walk on the path next to us, we'd go kind of into the into the ditch and, and, you know, give us probably at least 15 feet. And they looked at us and they looked up and they said, thank you. Like, thank you for being the ones to to social distance from us and move over. And I was like, that's great. It's kind of like someone thanking you for establishing a boundary, I guess. And I'm trying to do that as well. Because there's been moments where my first thought was like, what the fuck, I got to move. You know, what I mean, and so (laughs) I'm trying to like, I'm trying to add more care and compassion, because you just spoke to how meaningful it was to see that and you push it forward. And so that's what I'm trying to say to myself, like make all my responses, care and compassion. Why? Because obviously they need it, especially if they're bitched up. Uh, More importantly, either way, it'll help them internalize that and take that forward. But also because I don't want to carry that tenseness and that anger in my body. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's about myself too. And so everyone more care and compassion, please. Yes, definitely. So Dr. Chris, uh, you're freaking amazing. Thank you. Let our listeners know the places they can find you. Remind us about your daily um, live stream and all that great stuff. Yeah. So again, uh, every night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard on all the radio.com handles. I'm doing I'm Listening, Stay Connected. It's a live streaming show, different uh, experts and celebrities talking about mental health. Love Line every night. You can find that at radio.com or we are Channel Q. Uh, you can find me on IG at, at Dr. Donahue, Twitter at Chris Donahue, and then my book, Sex Outside the Lines and Rebel Love. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you guys. Have a great night. Alrighty. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag Psychicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. 
Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.